Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, and now part two of our interview with Johnny Majors. Who do you think your best assistant coach was? My best assistant coach? I, I really couldn't do that except in the, in the top in the top one percentile. That's not in the top five percentile. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Larry Lacewell, Jackie Searle, uh, Don Capers, who became the two-time head coach of two expansion teams in the NFL at the uh, Houston Texans, and also the the, uh, the Jacksonville uh, Jacksonville uh, Pro Team, and. Uh, uh, those are three of the best. Uh, and, uh, oh, heck, I'm going to leave somebody else to do. Uh, Joe Alizano, um, my offensive line coach at Iowa State, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee, became head coach at Washington, uh, Oregon State, a tough job at that time. But he also was a longtime special teams coach at the Dallas Cowboys. And I hired him when he was 24. Jackie Searle was 24. Jimmy Johnson was 24. I was 32 when I hired them as head coach. Larry Lace was 28. A lot of people probably don't know who he is, but he was a terrific coach. And he was trained under Barry Bryant and, uh, and uh, Jim McKenzie at Oklahoma. That's uh, off the top of my hat, uh, some of the best ones I had. And I'm sure I've left somebody out, but I, I can't tell you the top one. But I had some very, very top, top quality coaches. And John Gruden. John Gruden got his first start with me as a graduate coach right out of the University of Dayton. He coached with me for two years, and also the new head coach at the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, Mike Patton, was also got his first job with me as a graduate coach at Pittsburgh when I went back there in the early nineties. So uh, those are two outstanding young coaches that started their training under me in uh, college. Uh, we've had quite a few. They've made me better. I think they've got some uh, good learning and teaching from me and our fundamentals and our background. Now, as you say, you were pretty young when you took your first head coaching job at Iowa State. How did how did you end up in Ames? Uh, 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 I was very young. How did I end up what? How, how'd you end up at Iowa State as your first job as a head oh, coach? Oh, okay. Well, I was state when I took it. That's enough. I'll tell you several stories about that. But, uh, it, it was called a coach's graveyard when I took it there. At the list day, Iowa State has never won a football championship. They came close one year when they had to, when the field goal kicker, well after I left, uh, maybe 12, 12 years ago or so, when the Big Eight Conference went to the Big 12 and they split, I named this two field goal down inside the 15 or so on an extra point on top of that. Lost the game one point to Colorado. But anyway, they'd never been to a bowl game. And my first food, they we were two and eight when we went there. And I was green. I didn't know what to expect. I, I, I was up there. I, was, uh, I would never want to smoke. I was a cocktail smoker. But I, I, I was rather nervous there talking about starting the first grade and, and going to Tennessee. I was concerned about making it there too. <laughs> and I, I get up in the middle of the night, pacing the floor, and every hour and a hour, wondering what the heck, what the heck are we going to do? The win here, it was very discouraging, and I was somewhat depressed. And, um, so anyway, we won. They were two and eight the year before. We won three and seven. Went three and seven the second year. The third year we went five and six. We recruited really great. Third, the third year. 
five and six, and the fourth year we went eight and three. That was the winningest team in Iowa State history since two that since nineteen ten or something like that. And they had won eight games for for fifty years or sixty. And we went to a bowl game. We only lost three games, and the teams we lost to were to Nebraska. They were twelve and zero, won the national championship. Oklahoma was eleven and one. They only lost to Nebraska. Colorado was ten and two. They only lost to Nebraska and Oklahoma. And we were eight and three. We only lost to those three. It's the only time in college football history you can look this up that three teams from the same conference finished one, two, and three uh, after the bowl games, and that was the year that we were eight and three with a with the first bowl game in Iowa State history. And the next year we went to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis and lost to Georgia Tech on a two-point play. We scored in the last minute or two, and they beat us 31-30, to 30, I believe it was, and we missed two points. And the next morning I went to Pittsburgh, where they hadn't won, uh, been to a bowl game in 17 years, and they were 1-10 in 10 the year before I went there. And uh, about three straight years in 1965, 6 and 7, I believe it was, they had three consecutive 1-9 records. They were 3-27 and, and hadn't been to a bowl game. So the first year we went to the Fiesta Bowl, we were 6-3-1, and one, lost to a great Arizona State team. And then the next year, we were 7-4, did not get a bowl game, believe it or not, because there weren't that many bowls. The next year, we were 8-3 and three and went to the Sun Bowl. And uh, there, in fact, and we won the Sun Bowl. We were 9-3, beat Kansas. And then the next year, we were 12-0, the only undefeated, untied team in America when we were national champs. When we talked to Tony Dorsett, he said that he wanted to go to Penn State his whole life, but he got upset at Joe Paterno because he said Joe Paterno never recruited him. He just assumed he was going there, and he never met Joe Paterno. He goes, I went to Pittsburgh, and it was the best decision ever made. Well, yeah, it was. and it sure, it was, I consider it the best decision he ever made because he certainly made a great difference. We had a great team without Tony Dorsett, but that, uh, I don't want to sound ridiculous, but he put us over the top. He was a, he was a, the, the the championship edge. But we we had a, a better team like we did at Tennessee in '56 and Georgia Tech had in '56. We were a sophomore junior team in '75 when we won this won eight and three uh, in '75 and, and beat Kansas in the in the Sun Bowl. But uh, Tony came there and started as a freshman. He had over a thousand yard rushes in four straight years. That was an ideal place for him. I've never told anybody in my life that you will start as a freshman. I've never told anybody you're going to start if you come to UT and transfer from junior college. But I did tell him, and I've told some people this, the great from the greatest one, I think you've got a great chance to start at, uh, at Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, we lost our number one tailback when I, the, the, the spring before, that was a spring, my first spring at Pittsburgh. And I, uh, a young man named Mike Mahallett from Steubenville tore up his knee in the spring game for crying out loud, and he was the only decent running back we had. And uh, we, we signed Dorsett. It was called Dorsett at that time. That's another story about when he changed his name to Dorsett. But he was amazing. The tougher he got, the tougher he got. 
He was a great team player. He hustled on every play and practice. He never had to get after him. Players loved him. Coaches loved him. He'd stay after dark, though, dark after games in the afternoon and sign autographs to people. And he always treated people great. He treated him with respect. There's never been one like him. And also, for your information, uh, they're talking about uh, we lost the three teams in the only time in history there ever been one, two, three in the conference. And the Big Eight to uh, Nebraska, Colorado, and Oklahoma. Uh, uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Colorado. Uh, Tony Dorsett is the only person in football history who's ever done five, five, these five things. Of course, they never had the Heisman until Paul Horn and I were born in 1935. That was the first year of the Heisman. But he, Tony Dorsett, played on the college national championship team. The next year in January, in the same venue in the, sure, in the, uh, the Superdome in New Orleans, the Dallas Cowboys, he was a rookie starter. The Dallas Cowboys beat Denver Broncos for the Super Bowl championship. So he won the college, uh, played on the college national championship team. One year later, the Super Bowl championship team as a rookie starting for them. Number three, he is in the College Hall of Fame. Number four, he's in the Professional Hall of Fame. And number five, he won the Heisman. Of course, they didn't have the Heisman when Red Grange and Jim Thorpe and people like that, but they've been a lot playing since 1935 for 79 years who could have done all of them. But he's the only person that's how good he is, and he's as great a guy as he is a player. Now, after winning the national championship, Tennessee comes a-calling and says, hey, we want you to be our football coach. Was that a difficult choice for you to, to go back home or not? Without, without, a, without a doubt. I think it's the most difficult decision I ever had to make. I, you know, we all have ego. We all dream. I've been, I've been a dreamer. Growing up, I want to be a, I want to be Doc Blanchard, Lynn Davis at Army and all, and then I want to be play play with the Boston Red Sox or the St. Louis Cardinals or play with the Kentucky Wildcats basketball team. But um, uh, uh, you think about coming back to your alma mater even when you're in college if you're going to coach. But I didn't know I was going to coach when I was in college even though my dad was a coach. But uh, uh, of all times to call me, when, when Doug Dickey left here and went to Florida and Bill Battle took over, I wanted the job very bad. But I just uh, the guy at Iowa State, and we hadn't gone, uh, we hadn't gotten that five-six record. Uh, that was my third year. It started my uh, the fourth or third year. So anyway, and I wanted the job in the worst way, and they took the our uh, Bill Battle. Well, of all the timing, when we they uh, when Bill Battle decided to resign under pressure, and uh, he had a good record here, but the last three or four years it went down. And Bill was a fine man, has been greatly successful. Business, they called me after we won, and well, before we won the national championship, Bill Battle resigned the week of the Penn State game. I said, I'm not going to talk to anybody about, it, about Tennessee or anything else because we're number one in the country, and I'm going to spend my time on this football team. They called me, and after the Penn State game, uh, I talked to them, to them the next morning here up in Pittsburgh and came down here two or three days later and took the job. I uh, don't 
don't know that I made a mistake. I had a great career in Tennessee. I got reacquainted with a lot of people, and it's a great place to live. It's a great tradition. And coming back to Yamaha, and a lot of it has to do with the pride rebuilding the program, and also some ego involved. And I guess a lot of us who are athletes and not athletes have some ego and like to be a so-called hero, I guess. But overall, I think I'm a pretty modest person. I think my friends think I'm pretty modest. Through the years, I've, I've gained a lot of confidence, and I think I had natural confidence when I was younger, but I was never assured of myself until I really got in and got it done. Uh, that was that was a tough decision, and it took a while to get it turned around. And the worst, the worst thing about it was the ending, of course, as it is many times, when uh, I was thrown out the back door after we had the three greatest years of my entire career, back to back in 1989, 90, and 91, and we were eight and three in 92, and uh, I had heart surgery at the beginning of that year, missed the first three games they won. And uh, I had some disloyalty uh, uh, in the part of the president, the athletic director, for sure. And they were not straight with me in their integrity. And I had an assistant that was not the Lord, in my opinion. So I was uh, shockingly relieved. And then went back to Pittsburgh, which was, uh, we didn't, we certainly didn't set the woods on fire when I went back. I wasn't at my best, but we did leave them with a better program than what they had. The year after I left, Walt Harris, who coached me at Tennessee, took them to a bowl game, and uh, we left them with better players than what I inherited. And that's I was, I was pleased for Walt because he's a great person, he's a fine coach, and he was loyal to me and a terrific coach. Oh, he's one of the top coaches I had. He's in the top five percentile. Without question, I'd be a mess if I didn't mention Walt Harris for crying out loud. Was, so anyway, that, uh, that's the way that turned out. We left him better. And uh, I don't know what, when I depart this good old world, I've had a good life. And if somebody would say, why would you like to be remembered? I'd say, well, I think about that. I think I would be remembered as, a, as a, an outstanding builder. I left every program and I should say we. It's a staff and team builds things. I'm the head coach. I didn't do it by myself. But I'd like to be known as a builder because we left every program a lot better shape after I left. Not only did we build a winner and a competitive program, but we also, the people behind me were successful because they inherited a much stronger program by far than what I did. Do you think if anybody tried to bring back the single wing today, they could be successful? No, not really. Uh, not really. I'll tell you one thing I thought about a lot of times. Uh, I know I have some dreams and not crazy ones and uh, some good ones, but um, I've, I've, I've thought about this many times. What I wouldn't have given if we had the spread offense when I was playing. Well, we, we were all, we had two tight ends and we had a wing back right outside one, one end and we had three backs in the backfield. And I'm the deep back, the tailback handles about all about 80% of the time with his punting and his passing and his running and returning punts and, and returning kickoffs. I did that, all of that. That's what the Tennessee's tailback did. And, uh, I, I say that, uh, some, some of the ball handling is similar because people are in the shotgun now, 
and the center snaps the ball back between his legs. The, uh, the quarterback, and, and a lot of those quarterbacks could run, and Zell for crying out loud, and, and Cam Newton, and, and uh, Tebow. My goodness, but to have been, a, to been a, a, a quarterback and that's mm-hmm. that thing, and being able to run, quick kick, and pass, the, the field's so much wide open. You've got, you've got to put receivers out there 15 to 20 yards, and you break up the middle, and they're turning their backs and running and covering up the receiver. You break up the middle, you don't have to dodge seven or eight people to make a 70-yard run. You break the line of scrimmage, you break a tackle, and make, they make a move on a couple of three people, you're going 70 yards for a touchdown. That was that the ball handling is simpler, but it doesn't have the power blocking, solid blocking that is uh, more simplified and, and and more conservative than what you have today. Today's modern football with a spread offense and with outstanding quarterbacks is absolutely phenomenal, and some of the speed is absolutely phenomenal. But I'd love to play the spread offense, my crying out loud, being able to run an option to your left and either keep it or pitch it according to what the end does. We didn't have that option. Our, our hole was called pre, pre-called. You ran where the play was called unless it was jammed up and you bounced outside or you cut back inside. But they didn't have everybody spread out over the field. No, I don't think the single wing like it was played in those days would be successful at all. You mentioned Paul. You, 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 see, you see, you know, they call this, what's this thing they call it? Uh, Houston Nut put in an Arkansas where you got the put the halfback back in a tailback position and three backs in the backfield or, or four and run a power sweep and something like that. And, you, and you, you get, they run up to the middle of the line like they're going to run and then jump up and throw a jump pass over the middle, a little short stuff. But that was, that's been very successful, and the pros have used a little bit of that. There's a word for it I can't think of right now. The Houston Nuts, I think, that Arkansas put in, but some other people have used it as well, putting it back, snapping it back to him and let him run off tackle because the pros aren't used to defending it that much. Yeah, but the Arkansas, when you got running backs like Darren McFadden, uh, Felix yeah, Jones, yeah, 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 and the guy yeah. from Cleveland back, you have three NFL-quality running backs, it's hard to defend that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't do it that much. They, they, do, it, they do it periodically, you know, and, uh, and not consistently. That makes it more effective. Yeah, they, they've used that thing. But no, you couldn't use it full time. I don't think at all. I think that I think they'd fog up on your defense and, and stuck you a lot more time than you would have to open to run to run the ball with. Next time you talk to Paul Hornig, ask him about that college all star game when him and Jim Brown were playing for Otto Graham. You're lucky you weren't on that team because he said Jim Brown pulled himself out of the game because he said this guy's going to get us killed. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm just glad that I didn't have to play against Jim Brown because I would I would not have I would not have looked forward to attacking him once he broke the line of scrimmage because I played safety man I was a pretty bad man good safety man I, I know you all may think I'm not as much as what I really am but I was a pretty darn good safety man and I was a sure tackler but if Jim Brown broke the middle I don't know what I did out of you that maybe turned and run but I'm not sure. I thought sure wouldn't be put my shoulder pad into his midriff or into his chest. I would have been going for his ankles. I can tell you that. Yeah, I, yeah. Aim for his shoelaces, and I think you might be okay. But uh, other than <laughs> other than that, not too many defensive backs came out on uh, the winning end of any of that stuff. No, I, I don't. Think, I don't think I've been. I don't think I've been one of a kind. 
uh, I wanted the few that were missed him. In fact, that have one of the, the one of the many that missed Jim Brown, even if that's tackled his shoestrings. Now, another one of your assistant coaches, it was a fellow that uh, Chicago Bear fans remember, a guy by the name of Dave Wanstead. How was he as an assistant? Uh, Dave, Dave was a graduate assistant. I, I forgot about him. Dave never worked for me full time. Okay. Uh, he, 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 I gave him his, like John Gruden, and then Mike Patton and Bounds, I gave him his first coaching job because he was one of our captains. Uh, my first year at Pittsburgh in 1973, and he tried, he played a little bit, I think, the Green Bay Packers a couple of years and came back and I was a student coach and got, I guess, worked on his master's degree. And, uh, and I ended up, he, he never coached full time to me. I left, he was still there. And I came to Tennessee and then uh, he stayed there with Jackie Searle and then uh, when Jimmy Johnson left Jackie Searle's staff and went to Oklahoma State, he took day one step with him at Oklahoma State. The interesting thing about one step is that uh, he played offensive tackle. And uh, as a graduate coach, I think he worked more with offense. But Jimmy took him to Oklahoma State, and he ended up coaching defense. And Jimmy did a great job with the Miami uh, Dolphins, and the first Oklahoma State, the Miami Dolphins, and also before that, the Miami Hurricanes. So uh, they turned out to be an outstanding assistant coach and, and they say a good head coach. And, uh, and uh, I don't know what everybody else thinks, but a good head coach in, in Chicago. And, uh, and a very, very, very good assistant coach for Darn sure. Did a great job with Jimmy Johnson. Now, the actor Lee Majors adopted his last name because of you. Is that true? Well, we call each other cousins, but yes. Um, when I was a junior senior at Tennessee, I wore number 45. And Lee Majors was four years younger than I am, and he's in my same position in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, which is right on the Tennessee, uh, Kentucky border. But in fact, Virginia, Tennessee, and uh, Kentucky all really come to a point right there in Middlesbrough. Only about two hours north of Knoxville, at the most. And uh, he was a big fan of Tennessee and a big fan of mine. And I didn't know them still. I was coaching at Iowa State. But uh, he was a good athlete in high school. And I didn't know what he and I don't remember meeting him. But in my last game, he told me later on, we got to know each other, uh, that he met me uh, at the Kentucky game, which was our last home game. And then won our ninth game that year out of 10. And I had one more game to go and beat Vanderbilt. But anyway... He said, I gave him my chin strap after the game. He said, he still got it. And uh, his name was Harvey Lee Yerry. And he went to the University of Indiana on a football scholarship. And he had to he transferred for some reason. I don't know whether he got the fraternity fight or what, but uh, he went to Eastern Kentucky and played football. How much he played, I don't know. But he left there and didn't finish and went to Hollywood as, as Lee Yeary. He went uh, shortly from Harvard to Lee Yeary. Played in the two class B movies, I guess. And then when he went on, before he went on the Big Valley, he changed to Lee Majors. And uh, we got to be good friends. I haven't seen him late in 10, 12 years, but he used to come to a pit games occasionally. And he came up the first time and I dressed him in our coaching outfit. The blue blue coaching shirt and 
Oh, gold culture shirt and blue pants. We were blue and gold. Give a new pair of Adidas. I believe Adidas was what we were wearing at the time. And that's what he wore when he started on the $6 million man. That's what he, when he, the show first started with showing it coming on, they showed that every week where he was running those white shoes on, those are the Adidas again that I had to put a man give him when he came up to his first game and we watched, uh, he watched it beat Syracuse my first year at Pittsburgh and then came back for another game or two and then watched, came to the Sugar Bowl game and he came out to California to, he was in California and started playing the first, one of the early pick skin classes when we played Colorado. He tied Colorado that was year they won the national championship and had the good fortune of having five plays against Missouri. The officials missed the downs, and uh, they scored on the fifth down and beat uh, somebody and won the national championship in the regular season. So, so those, he, so those shoes gave him all his speed. Your pardon? Those shoes gave him all his speed. <laughs> uh, I guess he met on all that bionic stuff. I don't know much about technology <laughs> or bionics, but. I guess the shoes didn't hurt him for sure. It didn't hurt Dorsett. And he used he used the same he used the same uh, make of shoes that Tony Dorsett used. Speaking of the six million dollar man, does does it amaze you what some college football coaches get paid nowadays? Well, once upon <laughs> a, you know, once upon a time, if you they, football coaches would make as much as a university president, now they far surpass that at a lot of places. Yeah, sometimes a few I made more than the president, but most of the time they did not. They take it to that length, but uh, uh, no, I think that maybe Coach Bryant never got paid more than the president, but I'm sure he made a lot of outside money. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's pretty well incomprehensible. And I, quite often, I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure in college football. But I think probably a lot of us, I'm not, I'm not in so jealous of what to do, heck, and, why should I be? I can't do anything about it. But I, 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 people in Tennessee were pretty tight with the money. The administrators I worked for, they were the ones that ended up uh, letting me, me, let me release me uh, and told me I could stay here as administrator after I had my three, five bypasses and missed the first three games. And then it's another that they, they were pretty tight, the ones I worked for. And uh, uh, they were quick to get what they could get. But uh, I did work for a really high-quality man, Lamar Alexander, who was uh, who's now a United States senator. He was here only three years, unfortunately. He's still been here. If he, he, he went to be the he went to be the secretary of uh, education for George Bush or somebody. And then I hope it was better than George Bush. But anyway, I like George Bush Singer. He's a very fine man. I'll, I'll move on, uh, but um, uh, the oh yeah, Lou Holtz missed one or two games when he was head coach, and his assistant Bob, uh, I know him very well. He's in, he's in football now. I mean, he's a head coach at New Mexico. He was assistant to Lou, took over for two or three games, and uh, Notre Dame won, and they gave the victory to Lou, even though they wasn't coaching. When I was out for three weeks. Before I came in and coached the last uh, eight games, the school gave Phil Fuller those three victories, even though I'm the head coach that put the team together. But I showed you the administration I worked for when I was let go. 
that does it for another edition of Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris. I would like to thank our guest, Johnny Majors, and our executive producer, Dave Olson. Hope you enjoyed the show, and tune in again next time for Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. 